Well, good morning, Fairfax Bible Church. I am so glad that you are worshiping with us this morning online. And man, I hope that you had an awesome Thanksgiving week, just uh, celebrating all that God is and all that he has done for you. We really do have a lot of reasons uh, to praise him. One of the things that I'm really thankful for is the fact that God answers prayer. And the thing that I've told you this, uh, this year, the thing that I've been praying for you is that you are growing spiritually, even in this season. And I love knowing God loves to answer that prayer. Uh, I think about what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1. We saw this earlier in the spring. He says, I'm confident in this, that that he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is going to use the Word of God to produce more spiritual fruit in your life. And, And that's what we're doing and getting after this morning. So why don't you grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. This is actually going to be just a little bit different today as we're going to be looking at two separate verses, jumping around a little bit, but it's so important that we get into God's Word uh, every week as we gather together as a church, even if it is virtually, opening up uh, God's Word. But but, but can I also just, side note here, uh, can I just encourage you? Uh, It's important that we're gathering uh, on Sunday mornings and getting under the preaching of God's word, but don't neglect and, and keep guarding your personal time of reading the Bible every day especially going into the holidays where you know like it's going to be so much easier to get out of your routines even more than you already have been uh, recently so so it's really important that we're spending that time in God's word because he is going to use this book to make you more and more like Jesus Christ and that's the kind of spiritual fruit that we want to see. It's what we've seen in Galatians chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness is what we're looking at today. If you want to be like Jesus, you've got to be gentle. In fact, Jesus even said this about himself in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me, all who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is Gentle, but I, 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 I think this is important that we understand what that means, okay? That, that word gentle means to be humble or, or meek and mild, somebody who's not harsh. That does not mean that Jesus is weak or, or that he's scared. Like, normally when we think about somebody who's, who's a leader, gentleness probably isn't like the number one quality we think of. We, we think of somebody who's a leader, we think of someone who's, who's bold and daring, who's, who's willing to step up and, and, and kind of take the lead and get things done. But Jesus shows us bold leadership with gentleness. That he was fearless. He fearlessly and courageously accomplished his mission. But not by stomping on people or stepping over them in order to get things done. But his strength was seen in his gentle compassion for sinners. That he had compassion for us and he cared about us so much that he would die for us. He is the king who will rule the world, yes, with with, with righteous judgment, but also with gentle love. 
So this week, I, I know that um, your family may have had a similar experience to mine where all of our holiday plans kind of got rearranged and thrown out the window. Well, uh, honestly, we've had a lot of fun. We've been able to spend some more time, just our family. And and so one of the things we've been doing this week is, is spending time playing some board games. We've been playing games like Settlers of Catan and, and Risk, things like that. And, and as we've been playing these games, I've noticed that at times there has been a distinct lack of of gentleness as the competitive drives to to win and achieve global domination uh, kind of come out right like like it's, it's a little cutthroat at times uh, except for Jolie of course because uh, Jolie's just so sweet about it she just kind of I don't know how she does it she just goes around politely obliterating everybody and ruling the world somehow she's the one uh, that ends up winning all the time there's probably a lesson uh, for us there but 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 when you're on a mission being on a mission sometimes it does it brings out those competitive juices and that and that drive to win and achieve and 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 we got a job to do and so 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 let's get this job done and 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 sometimes when you're trying to get something accomplished gentleness is the least of your concerns and we have a mission as a church right and it's not global domination, but we do have our sights on the entire world. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. At the, at the heart of this is we want God to get so much glory. We, we want to bring him glory. And the way that we do that is by making disciples of all nations. He has given us this, this, this job, and it's a big job. We call it the Great Commission to make these disciples of all nations. So, so, so there's really, we, we talked about the, the two sides to the same coin of making discipleship, disciples. It's, it's, it's evangelism, but it's also discipleship, right? Evangelism just means we're sharing the good news. We're, we're helping people understand the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, that they might hear it and receive it and believe it, and they might become disciples. That's an aspect of making disciples. But then once somebody is a disciple, there's discipleship where we're helping those believers who have trusted in Jesus to grow in following Jesus so they become more faithful and more fruitful disciples who multiply. There's, there's evangelism and there's discipleship. And I'm just kind of assuming that as a believer, you understand you're called to, to do both. That, that we don't get a pass on one of these if we're doing the other. Like, like I, I'm a discipleship guy. I don't need to share my faith. That's... That's not the way it works. Like God has called us to do all of this. This is part of making disciples. And, and this is why we're here. He sent us here on mission. That's why we say every week, live sent. This is part of what that means. But we have to be careful that we don't look at ourselves as like we're just an army that's out there marching and just ruthlessly getting a job done. We gotta make sure it's done with gentleness. That, that as we're going out and, and, and talking about Jesus with those who don't know him, we're, we're not just trying to amass converts. We, we actually care about individual people and, and, and we wanna show compassion and love to them. And then as we think about this family of believers that, that we belong to, it, it matters how we treat one another as we're helping each other grow. So here's the big idea I want you to see this morning. Let's carry out the mission with gentleness. Can we do that? 
Let's carry out this mission that, that Jesus has given to us, but let's do it with gentleness. See, see, both parts of our mission of how we're trying to glorify God by making disciples of all nations and as we live in loving community, both of those require us to be gentle. And so there's really two ways we're going to look at it, how we carry this out. And the first one is right here in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want you to look at verse 15. Verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. And that's the first way. If you're taking notes, here's the first way that we carry out the mission evangelize with gentleness. Evangelize with gentleness. Verse 15 says, always being prepared to make a defense. That word to make a defense in the Greek is the word apologia, where we get our word apology or apologist or apologetics. It means to, to give an answer or to make a verbal defense against an accusation. Are you ready to defend your faith? But notice what the scenario, look at the, look at the text. There's a scenario that he paints for us. I want you to be ready, prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That, that somebody would ask you about your faith kind of in, implies two things. First, it implies a compelling life and a conversation. That, 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 that you're living a compelling life, that your attitude and your actions and your words uh, show that you have a hope and that that hope stands out. Like we have to be willing to ask ourselves, if, if, if people aren't compelled to ask us about our faith, why not? Are we living in such a way that people see a difference that breathes curiosity. They just want to know, like, how can you do that? How can you live this way? How can you have this much hope? How can you have so much joy in your life with everything going on? Like, Do, do people see us living with a, a fearless confidence that God is in control and that we have so much hope for the future despite all the chaos of 2020? Or are we just kind of freaking out and complaining like everybody else? Or do they see us striving to think about others and to use our time and our, and our money and our resources to serve? Or, or do we do what just kind of seems normal and just focus on our own interests and our own needs? Like they might never even see us and they must just assume that we're inside watching Netflix or buying stuff on Amazon or, or, or planning our next vacation or, or, or just trying to advance our own career and our own life like most Americans. This dream that we're all chasing. Is there nothing different? Do, do they see, are they intrigued by how strongly we hold our convictions, but without being a jerk or judgmental about it. That, that we're humble and gentle and we're willing to spend our lives for the sake of helping others. Or is all they know about us who we voted for? Do they hear us 
being bold in the way we talk about Jesus. Like there really is nothing else that is more important to us than him. Or would they be shocked to find out that we're Christians? Or at least mildly surprised. Now let's be honest. You, you can be faithfully living for Jesus and nobody technically asks you uh, this question. But if you're living on mission for Christ, eventually it's going to come up. Because it also assumes that there's a conversation here. You're having a conversation. It assumes that there's this, that there's a, a relationship that's been formed in a conversation that's ongoing that gives you an opportunity to open your mouth and to share the good news of Jesus, which is why Peter's saying, I want you to be prepared for that. I want you to be ready. Now, being prepared, being ready doesn't mean that you have to have uh, some clear and compelling answer to every single question that might come down. Or you've got this logical, reasoned argument with all these scriptures uh, to go with it for everything. It doesn't mean that that you have a well-reasoned response to every misconception that they might have uh, about our faith. But we do need to be ready to share why we believe in Jesus. And he says uh, this reason for the hope that's in us. This is one of our six pursuits, courageous evangelism. That we are willing to talk about Jesus with those who are spiritually lost. Because how are they going to know that Jesus died in their place and that they need to trust him in order to be forgiven, in order to be saved by him? How are they going to know that? If we don't tell them. And look at it. I want you to be ready. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, there's this this caveat. There's this reminder. Do it with gentleness and respect. Which means this. How we share the gospel is really important. In fact, I want to give you four quick ways. Can I just give you these? Here's some uh, ways that we fail when we're evangelizing. It ways that we fail in evangelism. Here's one, where we just try to win an argument. Like, it, it can be a good thing to, to, to think through and engage in a conversation and get into the details of, of, of what someone is saying and try to understand their arguments and reason with them. That's okay. But we have to understand the goal is not to prove that we know more than they do or that we're right. That's a fail. Here's another fail, that we might get mad when they don't get it or when they push back at us or maybe even when they bash Christians or they bash our beliefs. Because an aspect of this word gentleness also means to be even-tempered. And so losing it and getting ticked off is not an awesome representation of Jesus. Here's the third way we fail, when, when we're harsh or judgmental. That, that we can be critical or, or criticize and, and mean-spirited, even hurt somebody. Or, or that we become kind of arrogant and we look down on them as if we're better. That's a fail. And the last way that we fail as we're trying to evangelize is, and this one may be 
uh, especially important for us uh, considering the climate we're in and uh, the nature of how we engage with one another, especially on social media. It's, it's when we get snarky and sarcastic that uh, this is kind of uh, a currency of conversation recently is, is getting in little zingers and even using memes to try to make somebody look stupid or silly and just openly mocking somebody's beliefs or, or their comments or, or, or what they're doing. And I get it. Like, listen, you, you might think that it's funny. You might think that it's clever, but it's not winsome. And it's certainly not helping us accomplish our mission. He says, I want you to do this with gentleness and respect. To do that means that we have to care about the other person and, and, and their well-being, that, that we, we value them and we want what's best for them. That, that we take the time to listen and, and genuinely show them that we care about what they're saying and what they might be going through. And we're willing to even ask questions so that we really understand, like, here's what I'm hearing you say. Is, is that right? And, and that our responses are, are, are fair and kind. And we allow grace for one another in the discussion. This is a safe space. And so maybe at times that means not being surrounded by all the other social media onlookers. Right? But that we're willing to engage with them personally. And we're patient and, and we're respectful in our tone and compassionate and, and loving with them. Loving enough, like, like we're also not afraid to tell them the truth. Like we're not going to shy away from, from the reality, the eternal reality that they are facing if they don't trust in Jesus. This is serious. We want them to know. But we're not just trying to put them down and we're not trying to rip them apart. We genuinely desire for them to know and experience the hope that comes from knowing Jesus as their Savior. We want that for them. And so it's important that you know what to say, but it also matters. It also matters how you say it. And I know I've said this before, but I think it, it uh, is probably an important reminder for us that this, this pandemic doesn't give us a break from the mission. In fact, now more than ever, where, where people are, are, are lost and, and, and hurting and disillusioned and hopeless, they, they need somebody who knows the hope of the gospel, who has the courage to share it with them. But to do it with the same gentleness that Jesus has shown us. This is how we carry out the mission. We evangelize with gentleness. Well, let me give you the second one. The second way that we carry out the mission is this. We disciple with gentleness. Disciple with gentleness. Now I want you uh, to see this. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to jump over here to Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 so that we're seeing both sides to this, uh, that we're, we're engaging in evangelism and discipleship and both are requiring that we would do that with gentleness. And this is how we get after the mission that Jesus has given us. And I want you to notice also that Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 is just a couple verses after after the fruit of the Spirit in chapter 5, verse 22. So here we are in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what he says. Brothers, 
If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. He's saying if anybody's caught in sin, this is basically a guarantee. Like, this is going to happen. You're going to experience this. Because just because somebody becomes a new disciple and they're forgiven from their sins, they're forgiven of their sins, it doesn't mean that they're never going to be tempted and, and maybe potentially even get stuck in sin again. Like, like, the more time that you spend with brothers and sisters in our church family, the more you're going to see room for growth and sin that needs to be dealt with. We have so much sin that needs to be dealt with in our hearts. And so what do you do? If you see sin in a brother or sister, what are you supposed to do? Well, the text says you're to restore him. That, that word to, means to, to correct or, or put something back together after it's been broken. Essentially, it's just saying, help them repent and follow Jesus again. And God is instructing the church because he wants to use us to be a part of this process of discipling one another. To disciple means just to help them grow, help them follow Jesus. God wants to use you to help restore your brother or your sister when they've fallen into sin. He wants to use you for that. But he addresses us, verse 1, look at it, he says, brothers or, or sisters, which is a reminder for us of the implications of the gospel. We're a part of this family. We, we've, we've actually been adopted into this family. I don't deserve this. It actually took the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for me to be a part of this and for him to bring us together. And now we love and we care about each other. And so when we see sin what do we do? He says, you who are spiritual, which by the way, that does not mean that there are some of us who are better than others. That's not what he's talking about. He's actually encouraging like you need to be growing in maturity by the grace of God so that you can be in the position to be able to help other brothers and sisters when they need it. And you may be in that position sometimes too. But when you see somebody who is struggling, he says, restore him, help him, help her. But watch this, in a spirit of gentleness. Just like we're supposed to be gentle when we're sharing the gospel with unbelievers. Once, once somebody becomes a disciple, that doesn't mean that the gentleness stops. Like he didn't make us brothers and sisters so that we would have somebody to fight with. Why is it that we can often be more polite to people we don't know than we are with people who are in our own family? God wants to use you to disciple your brother or, or your sister, especially when they're caught in sin. But how you do it matters. Think about like a doctor who's performing surgery to remove cancer. Like cancer, we got to get that out. That's, that's a horrible thing. But, but a doctor who's going in to remove cancer doesn't just start hacking away and ripping everything out. No, he, he, he goes in cautiously with, with careful precision and gentle care to make sure that he's actually helping in the healing process. There might be something there for us to learn. That, that, that sometimes we can be so concerned with, with calling out sin when we see it or fixing something when, 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 when it's wrong, that, that we end up being unkind in the way that we're doing it. And 
hurting our brothers and sisters when we're, we're supposed to be helping them heal. So yes, because we love, we're, we're going to deal with sin. But we need to demonstrate the same kind of compassion and patience that the Lord has shown us. We need to care more about their restoration than we care about confronting them. If we've got that goal in mind, that's what we're wanting. This is actually the beautiful thing about the body of Christ, that there's a welcome without judgment. That it's okay to not be okay here. It's just not okay to stay that way. Like, none of us are perfect. And, and God is still at work in each of us to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. And we all have areas that we really need to grow in that. We want to grow spiritually as disciples, which is why I am so thankful that you are a part of this church family. I'm praying that, Lord willing, he is going to use this church to help you grow spiritually. And that's why it's so important for you to stay connected right now to your small group. This is where we get to be the church, to, 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 to have these relationships, to be in relationship with brothers and sisters who have the chance to get to know you and who are willing to confront and encourage and help you when necessary, but who do it in a spirit of gentleness because we really do love one another. I want to encourage you, this is part of the way we grow, that if you know a brother or a sister who's caught struggling in sin, you who are willing, you who are spiritual, restore them. Are you willing to disciple them? Just help them. Call them, text them, email them, set up coffee, be there for them. But look at how the end of verse 1 ends. He says this, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. we got to be so careful that we don't make the mistake of thinking that we're not susceptible to the subtle danger of sin. Sin is so destructive and deceptive. And so we need to have a, an awareness that man, it's only by the grace of God. He is the reason that we can overcome and avoid sin. We need him. And with our dependence on the grace of God, that's going to help us stay humble as we're getting after the mission. That we keep our eyes on Christ so that as we're carrying it out, we're going to be gentle, just like Jesus is. Father, I'm praying, this has been my prayer, that our church is going to grow would you use us? Lord, we want to see new believers coming in. I pray that we'd be courageous in our evangelism, but that we would do it in gentleness and respect. Help us as we have conversations this week. And Lord, I'm thankful for a body of Christ that cares about one another so much so that we're willing to help each other in the areas of sin to become more like Jesus. But would you help us to love and have compassion and patience and gently try to help one another grow? making sure that we're watching ourselves, knowing we need your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that you love us. Help us to grow as a church. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.